Hey everyone, I'm excited for the holiday season, and to me, that means big meals with friends and family. We got that turkey, that prime rib, maybe that ham, but also potentially that extra serving of pie and that extra dollop of cranberry sauce. Those two are gonna be glucose challenges for your body to handle. Can you improve your body's ability to handle that extra serving of pie? In this week's HVMN Research Roundup, let's talk about a pair of studies that describes this. Let's start with a few important concepts to keep in mind. One, glycemic response. The glycemic response is the blood sugar response to when you eat an amount of food. High glycemic foods trigger a high blood sugar response, while conversely, a low glycemic food doesn't impact blood sugar as much. Pretty straightforward. So what does glycemic control mean? Glycemic control means your body's ability to control and handle sugar. So the better the control, the less your blood sugar deviates with a challenge of sugar or glucose. Lastly, let's define what an oral glucose tolerance test is. This is typically a standard medical test that's a 75 gram dose of sugar or glucose. And you take that all in one go. That's almost two cans of soda in one shot. So a lot of sugar. A normal healthy person should be able to process and bring blood sugar back down within two hours. If not, then you might wanna check your local doctor. You might have impaired glucose tolerance, prediabetes, or diabetes. The two studies that we're talking about today come from University of British Columbia's Professor Jonathan Little and University of Oxford Professor Kieran Clark, who published papers in August 2019 and February 2018 looking at how ketone ester, or more specifically, the ketone monoester found in RHVMN ketone ester and how that drink impacts glycemic response in both a healthy and obese population. Now, let's dive into the study's design and methods. 15 obese people and 20 healthy people went under a pair of oral glucose tolerance tests with a placebo or a ketone monoester drink 30 minutes before an oral glucose tolerance test. Both studies were randomized crossover trials, meaning that each patient or each participant did both a placebo and a ketone ester drink in a randomized order on two separate days. The patients came in after an overnight fast of at least 10 hours, and they drank either a placebo or a ketone drink at a 482 milligrams per kilogram dose. So for a standard 25 gram of HVM and ketone ester drink, that would be equivalent to around 51 kilograms or 112 pounds, which is a relatively small person. After 30 minutes, which is a time it takes to reach a peak blood BHB level, a 75 gram glucose tolerance test was administered. Over the two hour OGTT, a number of blood biomarkers were collected in 15 30 minute increments. Okay, so now let's dive into the result for both the healthy and obese people. The results are clear. The data shows that consuming a ketone monoester drink 30 minutes prior to an OGTT reduces the glycemic response and markers of insulin sensitivity without affecting insulin secretion. Let's dive into the specific cohorts. For healthy study population, the ketone ester drink acutely raised blood DBHB levels to 3.2 millimole within 30 minutes. Compared to the placebo drink, the ketone ester drink significantly decreased the glucose area under the curve by 16%, non-esterified fatty acid area under the curve by 44%, while both at the same time improving oral glucose insulin sensitivity index by 11%. There was no difference in insulin secretion. 
Now, for the obese study populations, the results also showed a similar result. The KE drink increased DBHB to a maximum of about 3.4 millimole BHB during the OGTT. And now compared with the placebo drink, KE reduced glucose by about 11%, non-esterified fatty acids by 21%, and glucagon-like peptide 1 by 31%, all areas under the curve. Whereas glucagon AUC increased by 11%. The oral glucose insulin sensitivity index also improved by 11% in this population. Some other biomarkers for the obese population, no differences in triglycerides, C-peptide, or insulin areas under the curve were observed after the ketone ester drink. Interestingly, the mean arterial blood pressure decreased while the heart rate increased in the obese population after the ketone ester drink. If you recall from the beginning of this video, this video is all about glucose control or glycemic response control. Now, what does it exactly mean when we reduce the glucose area under the curve? The glucose area under the curve implies a total amount of ambient glucose that is not taken in and not eliminated into muscle, into the cells. More glucose area under the curve implies less or more poor glucose control or poor glycemic control. And a smaller reduced glucose area under the curve implies improved or enhanced glycemic or glucose control. So a little bit of counterintuitive of what reduced and improved sort of mean opposite things, but in this case means the same thing because you want reduced means better. The reduction in the glycemic response doesn't appear to be driven by an increase in insulin secretion. Instead, it was accompanied by improved markers of insulin sensitivity. That's pretty good. No increased insulin, but better insulin sensitivity. Another interesting nuance is that based on the immediate reduction in non-esterified fatty acid concentrations in the ketone ester drink condition, it's likely that lipolysis was decreased, which reduces the availability of glycerol. So this is good for reducing blood sugar control, but not necessarily optimal for increasing fat burn, which does make sense because ketone ester drinks do add additional calories or metabolic substrate. We talk a lot about the ketogenic diet on this podcast. And one of the most validated and studied effects of the ketogenic diet is improving blood glucose control. You'll typically see big reductions in hemoglobin A1C, reductions in fasted insulin, fasted blood sugar. But one of the recurring critiques or challenges of the ketogenic diet is how does a ketogenic diet impact cardio vascular disease risk. And I would bucket that out into two scenarios. Does having high lipids, high free fatty acids, or high LDL increase your risk of cardiovascular disease? And that's one topic. And then what happens when you actually have a heart attack or a myocardial infarction? Does having very high free fatty acids or very high cholesterol at that moment during a heart attack, is that problematic? So I think for the first question, there's a lot of interesting research and debate around is high free fatty acids, is LDL causative to heart attacks or cardiovascular disease or atherosclerosis? Let's put that one aside. But I think one of the main thesis results from our research lead, Dr. Mansour's work, showed that when you had high free fatty acids during a myocardial infarction or a heart attack, that inhibits glycolysis and that puts the heart 
in an energy crisis because you don't have availability of glucose and you also can't use free fatty acid metabolism when you don't have oxygen. So that's not a good position to be in. But that's where ketone esters really could be a, a solution here where you get the benefits of a ketogenic diet in the sense that you have availability of ketones, but you also get that blood glucose control at the same time. To make a little bit of a nuance between ketogenic diet and ketone esters, you get a little bit of a trade-off here where ketone esters, something that you need to purchase separately, a ketogenic diet you can implement in a number of different ways, but the potential benefit of a ketone ester is that you don't have to think about the question around elevated free fatty acids because the data here shows that a ketone ester drink actually rapidly decreases the availability of free fatty acids. If you want to dive more into the literature around is LDL causative to cardiovascular risk or cardiovascular disease, I have a couple great conversations with Dave Feldman and Ivor Cummins on this program talking about that. So check out those interviews to dive into that literature. The last takeaway I want to mention is, is the ketone ester a magic pill or a magic drink here? A lot of ways, it actually is pretty amazing. You instantly, with a ketone ester drink, reduce your glycemic response. Ketone ester drink really does seem to allow you to conquer a glucose challenge. Because if you think about it, a 75 gram oral glucose tolerance test is almost equivalent to two cans of soda. The only other typical ways you control blood sugar in such a rapid way is with a drug like metformin or insulin. So to do this with a drink is pretty amazing. On the other hand, does that mean you can just eat unhealthy foods all the time and just have the ketone ester save you? Probably not. We shouldn't just allow your body to be abused just because something can rescue and eliminate some of the deficits of your bad diet. If you just live a poor lifestyle, nothing is gonna just be a magic bullet to save you. But my suspicion here is that use this as a tool, but still have a sensible diet. So what does this all mean for day-to-day -day practice. I remember a conversation I had with Dr. Priyanka Wally previously on this podcast where she mentioned that if she had a keto cheat day where she normally eats a ketogenic diet and has a cheat day, she would use a KE to bring, bring her back into ketosis. So it seems interesting that you can use the ketone ester pre-meal or pre-glucose tolerance test, or you could potentially also use it after the fact to bring you back into ketosis. I think there's a lot more science to be done here around the best protocols of using ketone esters in conjunction potentially with a ketogenic diet, in conjunction with how you want to use a strategy to best enhance and maintain your metabolism. I think the pair of studies here done by Jonathan Little and Kieran Clark were really good baselines to help us get a better framework how to think about setting up our lifestyles and our nutritional strategies to be healthy. I'm really excited to see if this metabolic control data carries on to even more severe populations. So in these two studies, they looked at healthy individuals, they looked at obese individuals, and naturally to me, one would think, can we also get similar data on folks with diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and can we assist that population? I hope that study gets done soon and we get some more understanding, more data, more evidence on how this work of metabolism and how this work world of ketones all fit together. Thank you for tuning in and really do have a happy holidays this holiday season. 
If you like this video, please give it a thumbs up, please subscribe. And I think there's a bell button somewhere, hit that too. You can email me at podcast at hvmn.com or also shout us out on Twitter at hvmn or my personal Twitter at Jeffrey Wu. I look forward to hearing from you and have a good one.